0: uncertainty one truth stands God exists and is present in your life as you trust him anxieties fade God is guiding you he has led you to this place and he will lead you on the Bible teaches that those who follow Christ shall live by faith join us in this series to unlock the power of trust Embrace the benefits of trusting God and watch your faith grow your journey into trust begins Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for being here for all of you are joining us online we're so grateful that you're here some of you have been coming for weeks and months and we're so grateful and others of you this is your first time and we want to welcome you to Sugar Creek and and uh, just tell you how much we're so happy that you have joined us and for all of our campuses we've all come together and it is a good moment for us to talk about the Lord and some things that he is wanting to do in our life now to be honest with you for a long time I've wanted to be able to address some of uh, the moral issues and social issues that we're dealing with but I I could not find balanced material that would help me and compelling evidence that would help me and then I so I've just been quiet but but I found some things that I think can be a help and so here's what I'm asking you to do uh, beginning this Friday on the Friday E-news, there is an e-news email that our church sends out to our members. It's called e-news on Friday. And, it, and uh, I'm going to have embedded into the e-news this Friday and for a few Fridays some things that I have found. Not political. I, I'm trying my best to stay away from politics as hard as it is these days. But to, to just be balanced and deal with some social and moral issues that we're struggling with. And so if maybe you you don't you're not on e-news how do you get on it well we've put on the front page of our website on our app and even on the qr code i think that it's on that that uh, platform that you can sign up for the e-news and i wish you would even if you've unsubscribed in the past i wish you'd resubscribe because i i want to be able to share some things with you i read a story about a woman that i believe is true it's uh, a Uh, 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 a college woman that was finished an evening class and she was headed to her car at the end of the class it was dark outside and though there was lights in the parking lot but probably not enough she scanned across the parking lot she saw nobody she felt totally safe and she headed to her car but just before she got to her car three men suddenly jumped out that were behind a car in the lot and now they were progressing toward her. She knew she couldn't get away. She knew she couldn't run fast enough. And she panicked. I I don't blame her. I I think most of us would. But immediately in her heart, she said, there was a sense of a peace that came over me. And she said, I felt like I heard in my heart God say to me, I'm gonna protect you. The men advanced, and they came to about 15, 20 feet away from her, and suddenly they stopped, and she saw their face change to fear. And about two or three seconds later, they turned and ran. Well, she looked around. What caused this? There was nothing there. And she didn't know the answer of what had happened. But she decided, i got to go to the police because they could be back. They could uh, come at somebody else. The police need to know this has happened. So she went to the police station. She shared with them what, the whole story. And they said, well, we've got some pictures of local people that, that uh, we are suspicious about. Would you look at these? And sure enough, one of the men was, uh, was there in one of the pictures. And she said, this is one of the guys that was there tonight. So the next day, they went to that guy's house and uh, uh, brought him in to be questioned. And in the course of the questioning, he admitted he was there in the parking lot. I mean, they didn't do anything wrong. Nothing actually happened that was illegal. And so he, yeah, I was there and a couple of guys with me, but we didn't do anything. And the police officer said, but here's my question. Why did all of a sudden you stop And you ran. Why did you do that? And he said, are you kidding me? The guy that was there, there was this big guy. We didn't even, he suddenly just showed up. We didn't didn't even know where he came from. He was huge. And he said, you know, we, we, we were three guys, but we didn't think we could take him. And so we turned around and ran. Well, the police called the woman and said, okay, here was the story. And she said, there was nobody there. She said, I even looked around. Nobody was there. It wasn't long until she came to the conclusion somebody was there, and it was an angel. And she became totally convinced of it. And by the way, I am too. Uh, The truth is, you go through the Old Testament and New Testament, and you see angels from time to time all through. God's word, there are angels that show up to give messages, but there are also angels that come up to give a, a defense, that to come up to protect. For instance, in Second Kings chapter six, there's a story of there is Elisha, and he is surrounded by a, a group of soldiers from Syria who have come to kill him. And they've surrounded his house, and there is just Elijah and Elisha and his uh, assistant. And the assistant, scared to death, he turns to Elisha and said, we're, we're done for. And Elisha just looked to God and said, God, show him what you've already shown me. And suddenly, this assistant looked, and he could see angels everywhere. There was no harm that came to Elisha. This happens from time to time throughout scripture. I totally believe it. I believe when uh, the Bible says in Hebrews that you and I have a guardian angel, I believe that to be true. I believe that God is with us. I believe he is our high tower, that he is our mighty fortress, that he is our rock and our deliver and our savior. I believe that. Do I hear an amen anywhere in this room? I believe that to be true. So, why then? So, why then are there times that there's no angels in the parking lot? And that is what I want to talk to you about today. We're in a series entitled Trust Issues, and we all have them. No matter how deep we are in our faith and how much we have grown and matured, there is still more to grow, and we still have issues, all of us. In one way or another, we still have trust issues, and we live real life, and that's what the series is about, how to learn how to trust God in real life. And when the series began, we started with the whole idea of God being the creator and made the case that the evidence for the creation for intelligent design is greater than the evidence that is presented for evolution. Science, uh, uh, the, 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 the intelligent design has just not done a good job. Creationists have not done a good job of explaining where we are scientifically. And so the message was showing that. The truth is this, that Darwinian evolution has been waning for a couple of decades now. And why? Because Darwin himself made a list of things and said, if these things end up being true, my theory is not right. Well, every single one of them turned out to be true. And now the advanced information we have about DNA and the depth of it that continues to grow, it's just not possible that Darwinian evolution can be the explanation. There isn't time to explain what is present in that DNA. And that's why, I mean, I'm here, I've been reading these stories now for a couple of decades, why there is a growing dissatisfaction with Darwinian evolution in science and a seeking of something else, because heavens knows we don't need there to be a God. So trying to find some other explanation. You never find, you never hear that in school, but in science, this is a real issue. Then in the second message, we, as our God is our creator, this God has invited us to know him and to have a relationship with him and learn how to trust him. And we learn what faith is. Faith is actually believing a promise that God has told us and acting on that promise. Pastor Juan Carlos, the next week, explained to us that faith, trust, is layered. We, we began to learn how to trust God in the little things in our life, and it begins to grow and grow so that one day we can face the giant. But we can't do it immediately. We, we have to learn how to trust God in the small things before we'll trust him in the big ones. And Pastor Xavier uh, taught us that even in faith there's doubt. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And he he helped us to see that this time of doubt that we experience is is not a roadblock intended to stop us. It's intended to be hurdled and to increase our faith. We got to keep showing up. The truth is every objection that you encounter to, to Christ, to Christianity, to the Bible, has a compelling and true answer. You just got to know where to look. Pastor Tim explained to us every time we reach out in faith to trust God, there's going to be people that stand against us. There's going to be people that oppose us. They're going to mock and laugh at us, and they're going to stand. Even maybe members of our family, we've got to know that when we trust God, there's going to be opposition. We can't be surprised by that. Now, this morning, I want to bring to an end this whole Trust issue series with the idea of what is mature faith? What is the faith that God is wanting us to have? And I want to talk to you about that today. The whole series has been based on one key verse. It's Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, and it simply says this, and the just, and that means those who know Christ as Savior, who have accepted Jesus as their Lord, the just shall live by faith. God is intending you and I to live by faith. So what is this faith? we've seen biblical trust is not presumption. You can't just make up something and say, well, okay, now I'm going to trust that. Now God's obligated to give it to me. No, faith is not presumption. It's not walking on thin ice. It's not going out on a limb. It's not doing something crazy. Trust is not wishful thinking. It's not positive thinking. Faith is trusting in a promise that God has given to us in his word and acting on that promise. And when we do, our faith guarantees we will get what God has promised us. That's not a guarantee that comes from me. It's a guarantee that comes from Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 to 6. But it doesn't guarantee when or how God will give to us what he has promised. And that is the issue that I want to address today. I want to address it in a passage of scripture that is found in Hebrews chapter 11 as well. And it's found in verses 32 to 40 because this is a pretty powerful in-our-face passage of Scripture. So look at what it says. Hebrews 11, verse 32. And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David, Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administrated justice, and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions and quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead. They were raised to life again. Look, if this is the end result of faith, sign me up. Because in every one of these illustrations he gives, the Calvary comes over the hill. There's a miracle every time. God comes to the rescue every single time. And if that's what it is, I I want a part of that. But it's not where the passage ends. Keep going in verse 35. Others were tortured and refused to be released. Now stop for a moment. Wait a minute. They could have been released and they refused. They could have been released if they would have denied Christ. If they would have said, I will not serve Jehovah God, they would have been released. But they refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put into prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Did you just hear this last part of this? They weren't supernaturally healed. They were not rescued from danger. They were mistreated, they were abused. They were beaten, imprisoned, they were killed. It's obvious the second group has no faith. The first group has faith. All the miracles happen to them. The second group must have no faith because look at all the stuff they went through. But that is not what the passage is saying. Look at verse 39. All of these were commended for their faith. All of them. Yeah, whoa. So, Does God's will keep us from ever having hard times and being beaten and persecuted and mistreated? No. Does it mean that there will always be an angel in the parking lot? No. Some escaped by faith because God was with them. Some endured by faith because the same God was with them. But all were viewed the same way by God, people of mature faith. You don't have to believe me. It's in the passage. So, what in the world is mature faith? Well, first of all, mature faith believes that God can. If God doesn't, it's not because He can't, God can because He has. He has healed the sick. By the way, I have seen two people supernaturally healed. I've heard of many others. He has raised the dead. He has rescued from the lion's den. He has fed the hungry. He has provided... for the the money. He has corrected injustice. He has performed the miracles. God can because he has. He has in the past, but the same God now is the God that was in the Bible. There's a song about that. I love that song. He's the same God now. The same God that raised the dead, the same God that delivered Daniel from the lion's den, the same God that has healed the leper is the same God now. He's the same God. I love that song. This God is the same God In our life now, if you've walked with God for very long, you have stories in your life of God interceding, of God moving in such a way that that there is no other explanation but that God did it. You you have those stories that have happened that out of the blue, it seemed like where, where did this come from? How could this have happened? And yet God delivered, God provided, God met my need. Kathy and I, I've shared this story with you. Kathy and I found out we could not have children by natural birth. That was not in any of our past family history. We were totally shocked by it, we were stunned. We could not have children. I will tell you the honest truth since I was a teenager. Outside of God, the greatest thing that I wanted in my life was to be a dad so badly did I want to be a dad. And Kathy felt the same way about being a mom. And then we find out we can't. The doctor that we went to it was a Christ follower. It is a Christ follower, unless he's gone to be. Well, he still would be if he's in heaven. So he's a Christ follower, and he said to us, "You, twice. You're you're never going to have a natural born child unless there is an absolute miracle." Well, God gave us a promise that we would, and we believed the promise and acted on it. And he gave us two sons, naturally born sons. There's no explanation. There's no explanation outside of God. But I know other families who have found themselves in the same situation we found ourselves in and that was not God's answer to them. There was, that was not the solution that God gave to them and they had as much faith or more faith than Kathy and I. So why did he do it one way with us and a different way with another? I tell you, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for a long time, longer than I am willing to admit to you, and I should know the answers to everything in the world now, right? I don't know the answers to so many things, and I don't know the answer to this outside of God has a will. And he does it, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Mature faith knows that God is able and trusts God to meet the need when and how it is best for us. Second of all, mature faith submits to the sovereign purpose of God. God is not just a supernatural God. He's a sovereign God. The word sovereign simply means that whatever God wills, he does. There is nothing he cannot do. Our God can do anything he desires to do. And yet some were rescued while others were tortured. Some had glorious rescues while others suffered for the cause of Christ. Go back in your mind to the book of Acts. Jesus has already resurrected from the dead and he has already shown up among his disciples and there he was for 40 days. Not four hours, not four days, 40 days. For 40 days he was with those disciples. Why so long? He wanted them to know this is no hallucination. You're going to go to your death because you will not deny this. And I'm going to so prove to you that I'm alive. I'm not leaving 40 days. And for 40 days he taught them all the things he taught them before. But now he had their attention. They have a resurrected Jesus standing in front of them. And then the Holy Spirit of God came down and filled them with his power. And these people that now knew Jesus was risen and now had the power of the Holy Spirit inside of them were amazing witnesses for Christ. James was one of those disciples. Remember James, the brother of John? They were disciples, now called apostles. And James the apostle in the book of Acts was powerful. And so King Herod decided, we will will arrest him, which they did, and execute him, which they did. They executed James the apostle. And when he saw that the people were so pleased with what he had done to James, he decided, well, then I'm going to arrest Peter and do the same to him. So they arrested Peter, put him in prison, and said the next day he will be executed just like James. But in the night, an angel, they keep popping up. In the night, an angel came and delivered him, took him out of the prison, kept everybody asleep, took him out of the prison, and rescued him. Now, here's the question. Where was the angel for James? Did James have no faith? And Peter did? Oh, no. God had one will for James... He had another will for Peter. I don't understand it. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Do you realize that for the first 300 years... Of Christianity remember the United States is just a little under 250 years old so for 300 years the first 300 years thousands and thousands of Christians were imprisoned and tortured and put to death for the name of Christ and there was no rescue they died at the stake burned to death They were killed by lions while others around them cheered their death. The Romans had all kinds of inventive ways to kill Christians. And one of them is that they would take a wild animal that they would kill and then skin him, and then they would put that old stinky, smelly skin and tie it around that Christian so he can't get it off. And then they would say, run, and he would run. And two minutes later, they would release the dogs, and the dogs would track him down and eat him alive. And every single one of these guys could have avoided, these men and women could have avoided if they would have just denied Christ. That was all that was asked. And yet they refused. And did you know that today there are more Christians in prison today because of Jesus and being killed today than in the first 300 years of Christianity. Did you know that? In China, in North Korea, in Iran, in other Muslim countries, in some African countries, in some Asian, other Asian countries, in part of India, it's illegal to be a Christian. And Christian pastors are tracked down and beaten up and churches are burned down. one day when I get to heaven and I come across one of these women and one of these men who gave their lives for the name of Jesus Christ I'm going to stand there in awe for their courage for their strength for their commitment and how dare I complain about anything in my life How dare I do it after what they've given? Why does God rescue some and not all? He actually rescues all. You see, James, the very second his body died... He was still fully alive. He came up out of that dead body. He went immediately into the presence of God. He wasn't one bit sad that he was in heaven. Wasn't one bit sad. And the truth is, as God sees it, he rescues all, not just some. All I know is that God is a righteous, loving, holy, fair, sovereign God who has purposes I don't understand. And all the acts of God are right, even when I don't understand it. And this is why Romans chapter 8 verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble our hardship, our persecution, our famine, our nakedness, our danger, or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But notice how he ends it. He says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors. No matter how it is that we God responds to the moment we are more than conquerors through him who loved us do you remember don't you remember growing up maybe most of us in this room have been Sunday school as little kids and you remember the story in Daniel chapter 3 of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego the three guys you remember the story and, and now it, it's 600 years before Christ and, and they, uh, Israel, uh, Judah's been de- defeated by the Babylonians, people taken prisoner to Babylon. And, and now here is the King Nebuchadnezzar, pretty an awesome guy, pretty, pretty intimidating man. And here is King Nebuchadnezzar and he creates this statue of gold that's humongous and it's of him very humble man and this giant statue and he has it rolled from one place to another and he goes into one of the towns and the the, and the and the rule is this when you see it and the music starts playing everybody bow down and everybody bowed down in that town except three men Shadrach Meshach and Abednego and they were hauled in front of King Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar said, I, I, I'm going to remind you one more time. If you don't bow down to my image, this, this God that I've created of myself, if you don't bow down to this image, you will be thrown into the fiery furnace and you will be burned alive. And what do they say? Here it is, Daniel 3, verse 16. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save. That's the fill in the blanks. He is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, even if he does not save us from the fiery furnace, We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you set up. I'm telling you, this is mature faith right here. What do they say? We believe our God is able. I'm telling you, you can make it as hot as you want to make it. You can throw us in, and we can be perfectly fine because our God is able. But if he decides that's not what he wants to be the result, it doesn't matter. Our God is able, but if he chooses not to, if ultimately it is better for his purposes that the answer be no, it'll be a privilege to die. Being faithful to him, that's mature faith. Our God is able, and our God is sovereign. And whatever he chooses. Well, you know the end of the story. They were thrown into the fiery furnace, and they were just fine, and Jesus came down and started walking with them in the furnace. It was an amazing story. But these men were open to whatever God decided. Faith is, when we pray for the promises of God, and we meet the conditions of those promises... It guarantees that we're going to get the promise that God has given to us, but the when and the how, God reserves for himself. Faith is not receiving from God what we want, but rather it is accepting from God what he knows is best for us. So let, let, me, let me give you a story. There have been times in my life in which I prayed and immediately got the answer from God, the provision from God. Let me, let me, let me tell you one of the stories, just one. I was 24 years of age. Kathy and I were married. We were, uh, I was in seminary getting my master's degree. Uh, I was pastoring a tiny little church, so little, so small, barely had any ability to to give me any income to keep us going. Kathy worked full-time. I was a full-time pastor with that little church, and I was a full-time student in my master's degree. Nobody helped me with my master's degree, not one penny, and it took everything we had to keep things going, to be able to pay bills in order to keep me in school and keep us going as a family. Took everything we had. We had no extra dollars. One day, I'm in the bookstore at the seminary. I knew better than to go to the bookstore. You go into the bookstore, and you're a pastor, and you see all these books, and you start really coveting the books that are in there and I'm in there and I'm seeing all these books and I just decided to pray. I said, "God, I'm asking you to give me money to buy books. I don't have a library. Look, there's no internet. There's no internet at the time. And and the only library I had was at the school and if I wanted to study for my messages and I want to do research for my messages, I had nothing. I had nothing. And in the bookstore, I said, God, I'm asking you to give me books for my library and a bunch of books. And then the next statement that came out of my mouth is, God, forgive me. I can't believe that I'm being so selfish. My family needs so many other things than I need books. I should have never prayed that prayer. And the third word that came out of my mouth is, God, I am not being selfish. I am glad I ask you for books. I'm asking you for books because I need them because I'm a pastor and you called me in the ministry and I need books. And then I left the bookstore because I was going crazy. And I left, I said, I'm holding on to that last statement I made. I did not tell Kathy, I didn't tell anybody, not one human being. I only told God because that was the only person I thought I needed to tell. Two days later, I'm not exaggerating, I'm telling you the absolute truth. Two days later, I get a telephone call from a guy, and he calls me up, and here's what he said. I can't get you off my mind and God is just pressing me that I am to give you money for books for your library I am not exaggerating I'm telling you the straight up story and I said I am I'm amazed so what are we talking about And he gave me a number that sounded to me at that moment like $1 million. It wasn't a million, but it felt like a million. I could not believe my ears. I said, you've got to be kidding me. And he said, oh, I'm not kidding you. Here's what I want you to do. You go and talk to all your professors. Find out what should be the core of a pastor's library. And you make a list, go find out the cost of the books, make a list, you bring the list to me and it comes up to this number and I'll write you a check. And I'm telling you it was Christmas every day. I was walking into the bookstore like I had money. I walked into the bookstore like I was something else and I wanted to tell other people and brag about it, but I was afraid God would take it away from me if I did, so I just kept my mouth shut. And I got I got the list and I got I took it to the guy and he wrote me a check for double the amount. And here's what he said. He said, I got a feeling that you left off books because you ran out of money. And I want to make sure you get all the books you need for the the foundation of your library. (laughs) And that man altered the trajectory of my ministry. He gave me the foundation that has been the foundation of my library ever since. And one man did that. And there have been other things I prayed for and I prayed and prayed and the years go by and the decade goes by and it finally comes, but in a different way than I prayed. And I like the first better than the second. but God has a reason. Mature faith bows in honor of the sovereign purposes of God. Job says in Job 13:15 though God slay me yet will I trust him. Wow. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines and though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. And none of that means anything to us. So let's put it in our language. God, though I lose my job and I lose everything I own and I have nothing left. Now that translates... Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Mature faith trusts God's promises to be fulfilled God's ways. So look at what he says. i got to hurry because I'm way over. Hebrews eleven thirty nine. 39. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. What does that mean? They were all praying for the coming of the Messiah. But God said, no, I won't bring the Messiah in your lifetime. Why? Because God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. God had a particular timing in mind for the coming of his Messiah so that that word of Christ could be spread all over the world and the timing was perfect. God gives us promises and he accomplishes those promises in his way and his timing that he knows is best because he sees that we what we cannot see. God knows that struggle makes us stronger and I hate this reality, but it's true. It's amazing that trees are so much like people. I'm amazed by the stories that come from, about trees. Did you know that if a tree gets root outside of a forest and it's out there by itself and it gets full sun and it doesn't have to compete for the water, in, in the rainwater, it grows faster and taller But the wood is softer and more susceptible to disease and the roots are more shallow. And all it takes is a storm and it knocks it over and kills it. But the tree that is rooted inside a forest, and there's other trees, and it has to compete for the sun, and because it's got all this shade around it, and only gets sun when it's directly over uh, above, and and it has to compete for the water, it grows slower. It's harder. But it finally gets there, and its wood is stronger. It's more dense, and its roots are deeper. And it's hard to kill that tree. It needs struggle to be stronger. And God knows that if he eliminates all of our challenges and difficulties, we will weaken and fail. He knows for us to be strong, we need hard times. But he tells us, I will not let you face more than you can handle. Mature faith trusts God to fulfill his promises in us in ways that are best for us, that help us to grow. And so the end result of all these trust issues is to come to this great thing that God is trying to build inside of us. He wants us to trust him. And there are times in which we barely can get the, get the, the request out of our mouth until it is there, but there are other times it 's so long in between. God is using all of His will to grow us and to develop us and to meet our needs, but make us stronger and tougher and, and make the wood more dense in us and our roots deeper, because He understands who we are, and he knows what we really need, and He loves us enough to say, "Wait." because it will make you better. It'll make you stronger. God has a will. God can. He is sovereign. He loves you. And he says, learn how to trust me in a mature faith. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, and oh God, we need you, and we don't understand you. And sometimes we don't agree with you. And sometimes we're so stinking stubborn. But at the end of it all, we need you, and we want you, and we will yield to you because you're smarter and wiser and you love us and you can and you know better and we yield our life to you now father i pray you'd move in hearts to say yes i want jesus in my heart you would move in hearts to say yes i am recommitting my heart to god Move in our heart today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.